Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Jessie Stevens. We are back together again and on the show today. In case you missed it, on Monday, a Victorian roads project pushed ahead with the removal of a tree that was deeply sacred to First Nations people, sparking a conversation about what we value and respect in Australia in 2020. And we might have reached peak pregnancy announcement with the celebrity who got another celebrity to create an almost three-minute short film to share her happy news. But first... Celebrate good times. Come on. Have the people in Melbourne not been through enough without that? No, I like to have Lacey Jade put a video up with freedom. I won't let you down. Freedom. I won't lock you up. had a really rough trot. And now you're singing in their ears. And we're meant to bring them joy. I think they're all drunk or in Kmart. They won't even know. Yes, they're all in Kmart. That's a fact. You're wondering why we're losing our minds. I'm sure you're not. Today's the day. Victorians are free to roam. After one of the longest, strictest lockdowns in the world, the people of Melbourne and regional Victoria can today go to Kmart, go to Bunnings, go outside their homes for as long as they bloody well like, go out for dinner, meet people outside, have someone over for a coffee, get their hair done, go for a beer. What are the first thing our Mama Mia out louders in Melbourne and Victoria are doing? We asked them. I've considered putting a photo of my toenails on Instagram and I keep not because they're so disgusting. And I think we're all in that same boat where it's those little things that you've missed out on. Just having someone at your house, you know, just having a mate over. I really miss my girlfriends. I did a huge happy dance when I heard the announcement about restrictions lifting. I am so excited to go for brunch, to see friends that I haven't been able to see and for my daughter to see her auntie who she loves. The first thing I'm going to do when lockdown is over is head back to my hometown of Bendigo and visit my family. I haven't been able to see them in about six months, which is the longest I've been away from my mum. First things I'm doing now that lockdown are over are going shopping, having brunch with my best friend, and I've also booked in a massage at Indota. First thing I'll be doing is having a wine night with a girlfriend sitting indoors. I've been loving these picnics, but the last one I went to, I got heat stroke. So it will be so nice to sit inside on a chair at a table. Now that Melbourne's out of lockdown, I'm going to take myself off in the car to one of the beautiful wineries nearby and have a nice long lunch. I've spoken to a few friends and we're actually feeling a little cautious about going to certain places. Like the idea of going to Kmart and walking out with a bunch of stuff that we didn't really need. It sounds fun, but we might ease into going shopping and going into shopping centres. I'm just really looking forward to catching up with my friends in a pub on a Friday night and having a glass of wine. 
too many choices. I'm paralysed with indecision. Dining in just sounds like such a dream. We still have to wear the masks and we're still in this 25k boundary and there's still things but I think we've got, I don't want to overstate it, but minor PTSD because we leave the house and we're like, oh, how long have we been out? Or, oh, we're not allowed to do that. And it's just been ingrained for so long that we're naughty school children that need to get home and do the right thing. So I think that'll take a little while to get used to, but we're really ready. Congratulations, Melbourne. We did it. I love that. You could hear, if you've got good ears, Zoe Foster-Blake in there. I interviewed her for No Filter, which is out on Monday, but I was asking her about lockdown and I thought that was really interesting what she said about being a little bit cautious and a couple of people in there said that and I remembered when we came out of lockdown, even though we hadn't been in for nearly as long, it took me a few months to get comfortable with going back to a shopping centre. Like I'm only just now, you know, comfortable being in crowded places and even so I still wear a mask in lifts at the shopping centre and stuff so I don't know the other thing that made me laugh was all the women in Melbourne who ran to get their Botox yes and their fillers <laughs> yes everyone's I, looking fresh as yeah. soon as the doors opened when we were locked down as you know I ran screaming from my home and I've barely to been back inside since no it's very I don't even recognise our children anymore <laughs> although uh, again, I mean, COVID normal, and this is what Melbournians will do, of course, is, you know, masks on public transport, masks in shops. But they say that restaurants' phones are ringing off the hook halfway through Daniel Andrews' announcement. Yeah. <laughs> and Kmart at midnight last night, so we're obviously we're recording this on Wednesday lunchtime, midnight last night, uh, shops like Kmart that were just flooded with people who immediately needed things. They just needed to get outside. So, yeah, I think I'm so so happy for them all Victorians not only obviously that that freedom element but the fact that you went from more than 700 cases a day to zero I know there have been two today but low numbers manageable numbers what an achievement my god which has never been and I think now that it feels sort of retrospective we can look at it and go what Melbourne has achieved has not been done anywhere else in the world ever what those more than 6 million Australians did will go down in the history books. And whatever your politics is, and we've had lots of people ring in with, with different opinions, it is just such a remarkable achievement. And celebrating this end of lockdown also isn't anti-lockdown. I think we all know that that worked and what Australia has done is put human life before just about anything else and it's such a testament to to the people as well who who you know sacrificed so much in order to keep not only Melbourne safe but the rest of the country and the rest of the world. I was thinking about Kate Langbrook, who I follow on Instagram. She's the former radio presenter who moved with her family to Italy at I think the beginning of this year, maybe it was last year, I'm not sure, but she had 10 weeks of lockdown in Italy and then when they were released from lockdown, she flew to Australia to see her dad who was sick and she flew into Melbourne just as they were going into lockdown. Then she flew back to Italy and she's had a few weeks and on the day that Melbourne comes out of lockdown, Italy's going back in. I know, it's just... Honestly, I don't know if you're supposed to say this, but just quietly, Melbourne, looking ahead at socialising in COVID times, we've been doing that COVID normal socialising in Sydney for a while now. I have to say, my inner nana bloody loves it. You have only allowed to stay places for two hours. Mm. You have to sit down. So if you go into a pub, they're limited numbers, but they'll find you a table and they sit you down. There are no queues at the bar. Nowhere's noisy. Nowhere's busy. Mm. It suits nanas down to the <laughs> ground. 
Just saying. I know that's not the most important thing, but I'm like, oh, I like this. I like going out in COVID times. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. What this government has shown over the last 230 years of the legal occupation is that they are not the protective land managers that Aboriginal people were. The reason that we are in an environmental crisis to this day is because of the failures of that government. You might have seen the news over the last few days that the Victorian government has cut down a tree that holds cultural significance to Australia's Jaburung women in order to make a highway for the state's west. Before we get into it, we just wanted to acknowledge that obviously we are three white women. We do not have lived experience. We are not part of that country. However, we feel really passionately about this. We think this is what women are talking about and we want to use our platform to shine a light on this issue and to be allies and to, you know, speak to all our audience, whether they're white women, First Nations women, and let them know what's actually going on. They were here before we were. The trees were here before we were. And I think cars should be second or third, not, not first. So this was on Monday. The sacred directions tree, is what it's called, was cut down despite the efforts of protesters who have spent years trying to save more than 200 significant trees from this $672 million project. Here's what Auntie Sandra Onus had to say about it. There's two things that they have been destroying in this country for 240 years, and that is our cultural heritage and our people. At the end of the day, if you keep taking out the ones of the earth, you won't have any oxygen properly to breathe. There'll be no food to eat, and you can't eat your money. The landscape itself is very, very sacred, and what gives it its unique sacredness is that there's a birthing place, a birthing ground. So what did the trees actually mean? The land itself is of particular significance to the Jaburong women as it's home to several birthing trees and birthing trees, as well as being more than 800 years old, are where women have delivered babies in the sacred hollow trunks for what's estimated to be about 50 generations. After the birth, the father would have the placenta and the mother would have the seed from the bush tucker and they would go and plant a tree, which is called the directions tree. And that tree represents the baby. It grows alongside the baby. And so then the child can go back at any period of their life and and reflect on where they are and kind of watch nature mirror them and their trajectory. The government has argued that on this particular stretch of road, there have been more than 100 crashes and 11 fatalities, and it is critical to the safety of the community that this upgrade is completed. We're not being heard. And we need to change those dynamics. We need to ensure that our voices are heard and we relay a message that we're all suffering across the country. But it has to be done in unity. It has to be done in solidarity. 
This is part of a trend, to put it into broader context. Earlier this year, Rio Tinto seriously damaged a 46,000-year-old, highly significant Aboriginal heritage site in Dukin Gorge. That was enormously controversial and afterwards Rio Tinto issued an apology, which is uh, too late, I would say, and they had a CEO stand down because it was irreparable damage to these particular sites and it goes far, far beyond 2020, obviously. I was reading in The Guardian that sissy Eileen Austin wrote a beautiful piece and she wrote on Monday, our biggest nightmare became a cold, hard reality. The sounds of chainsaws, excessive police force, the crying of children, we felt defeated as an element of our culturally significant landscape was torn away, taken, gone forever with the last generation to ever be in the powerful presence of our directions tree on Jabwarong country. There must be truth-telling and honest, hard conversations in order to move forward and no community member or clan group be left behind or unheard. The outcome and decisions made by the Andrews government regarding the Western Highway duplication project could make or break the trust community place in the treaty agenda. So while we've been recording this show today, the Supreme Court of Victoria has stepped in on this and issued an order meaning that all the works to remove these trees have to stop as of now. It's only for a couple of days, so I guess it's to re-examine what's happening there. Police have arrested more than 60 people who are protesting about the removal of these trees. And it's worth noting that this protest has been going on for two and a half years, nearly three years now about the Jaburung trees and the Jaburung people have been saying for a long time there's an alternative route we could take. Negotiations have happened that have said that government will say, well, we'll take these trees, but we'll leave you these trees. But the pain over the loss of the so-called direction trees on Monday and the ensuing outrage, which includes hopefully the media coverage and people talking about it and getting this better known and the First Nations people's voices better heard, has meant that at least for now the Supreme court has stepped in and we'll see what happens next but jesse's going to tell you where you can let your voice be heard if you feel you want to weigh in on this issue we can all feel pretty helpless and like there's not much we can do but of course there is a lot we can do the recommendation from the community if you want to get behind this cause is to call dan andrews on 96515000. We'll put that number in our show notes. And if you state your name, your postcode, and the fact that you're protesting against the destruction of these trees, then they will note that down. There's also a GoFundMe. There's a few websites where you can sign petitions. We'll put all of those in the show notes. If you've got any other resources, then please share them in the Mum Mare Out Louders Facebook group. We would love to hear your thoughts. The law does not have any frame of reference for the connection that Indigenous people have to the land. It's it's not something that our laws, our justice system or our legal system seems to be able to grapple with. And it's something that as white women, we don't understand either. But just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it doesn't exist and that that connection's not there. It's like we have to listen. You have to listen and then you have to respect and then you have to work together. It's not enough to be able to just go, well, we don't we don't get it. You know what I mm. mean? Like it's listen, yeah. you know, like shush and listen. Mamma Mia out loud. A short film was released this week and it was a film no one was expecting and some may say no one asked for. I dreamed of you for the first time the other night. We are wondering who you will be. It was the most interesting pregnancy announcement. It really took pregnancy announcements to another level. 
It was the uh, birth announcement video short film for Emily Ratatowski, who we've talked about on the show a number of times. You may know her best from her feature role in the Blurred Lines video. And more recently on the podcast, we spoke about her essay for The Cut, where she talked about um, her, how her image had been exploited and she had had a very uh, uncomfortable, sexually harassing incident on a shoot with a photographer. And now she's pregnant. And Lena Dunham, who is her friend and has been good friends with Em's husband, has made this film. She directed the film, to be clear. There were at least 10, 11 credits yeah, there. there were a lot of people involved. A in lot the of people were involved. Yeah. There was a big crew. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they were on the shoot, but they were involved in the planning, the editing, storyboarding. Yes, it's accompanied by words that were written by M. Rata, as she's known, and also she filmed a lot of it because a lot of it is sort of selfie style, and some of it isn't. We'll just play you a little bit of it and then I'll sort of describe – I should describe the imagery before you listen to it really so you can imagine. So there's a lot of shots of M naked, sort of examining her body, feeling her stomach that's sort of growing, also feeling her bottom where there isn't a baby but (laughs) anyway. um, (laughs) There's shots of her – Having an ultrasound, a lot of very close-up shots of her face and her stomach and her bottom, uh, which is naked. And in the bath. And so she's imagine in she's in the bath, she's standing in front of mirrors, she's standing in front of windows. And here is a little bit of the short film. I want you to see the world's potential. You feel like the world's potential. I'm driving through Manhattan, looking out the backseat window of my friend's car, studying pedestrians as they move through the city. A man crosses the street in glasses, another jogs in place, his eyes focused ahead of him. I stare at these strangers. Will that be you, I wonder? I'm in the shower, rearranging all the names I'm thinking of for you in my head. I peer down at my belly and say one of them aloud to see if it fits. Water steadily beats against my back. In that moment, I can't feel it myself or the space around me. Along with the film, she also released an essay uh, that she wrote for Vogue and she talks about how she's not going to tell anyone the gender of her baby until the baby's 18 or actually ever. Maybe she's never going to tell the gender of her baby. I think the baby at 18 can choose its own gender because she said everyone keeps saying, is it a boy or a girl? Do you want a boy or a girl? And she says, we're not going to know the gender of our child until they're 18. But let's just put that aside. I'm going to stop talking about the video because (laughs) Because I'm a little bit puff a fish about it. So it... So Mia is exceptionally pufferfish about this video. Do you know why? Can I just say why? I think you should say why. I'm going to say why and then I promise I'm going to stop talking. I feel that there is not a moment in a woman's life and, of course, again, it's the individual choice of every individual woman to do whatever she wants. But that doesn't mean that every choice a woman makes is a feminist choice and is good for other women. And the way that pregnancy is portrayed in this short film is highly sexualized, highly perfect, highly what would you say? It's it's the ultimate objectification of pregnancy. Yeah. It's all yeah. about how pregnancy looks on her and it's the close-ups of this. There's nothing subversive about it. There's nothing to me challenging about it. It's sort of this 
really polished view of the most beautiful woman in the world with a very beautiful bump. Look, mm. I have to admit that I quite like looking at Amrata. I would look at her all day. I think she's bloody gorgeous. <laughs> no question there. I don't have any problem us. with that. However, <laughs> when I watched this video and I did put it I put it in the Slack channel for discussion. We have a Slack channel where we drop our links in and we go, I think we should talk about this. I think we should talk about that. And I was just like Emrata's made a three-minute film directed by Lena Dunham to announce her pregnancy. I'm like, wow. I know I have friends who rack their brains to think of how to announce their pregnancy They're, because it's become a thing. Why can't you just say, guys, I know, I'm but pregnant? It's not I mean, like that anymore. Oh, On Jesus. Instagram, it's like the big shoes and the little shoes or it's the coming soon and it's the ultrasound and it's the thing. And, and that's cool. It's fun. It's funny. But it's like celebrities have had to one-up us every step of the way. <laughs> And I want to point out that these particular celebrities in New York City at the moment, they've had a very tough COVID time. They're all a bit out of work. They're all a bit unemployed. (laughs) Lena Dunham's had a shitty time. She got COVID. She got better Mm. from COVID. She can't film any TV shows. And so she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make – I'm going to – Em would love that shit. I'm going to make her a pregnancy announcement video. And Em and her husband are like, well, we've got nothing to do either. Why don't we get involved? And as you said, Jesse, there are like 20 credits on this thing from a sound mixer to a design. As you pointed out, Holly, it starts. It's like a black screen and the words come up, a film by Lena Dunham. Yes. Now what are we going to do for our pregnancy announcements on Instagram? You are going to have, Jesse, when I'm going to make it a podcast series. An eight-parter. Exactly. (laughs) You go, you hot thing. You know, you have a good time feeling your bum in the bath. Why wouldn't you? If I looked like that, I'd be lying in the bath all day feeling Feeling my bum. Feeling your bum. Yeah. Yeah, Probably filming it. Not your bum, your bum. Remember when Beyonce announced her pregnancy with that really OTT pregnancy shoot and there was the chiffon and the flower arch and the twins and we thought at the time, my, that looks like a lot of work. (laughs) Yes. We had no idea what was coming. We had no idea (laughs) where celebrity pregnancy announcements were headed. We're going. I read the accompanying essay and... I think that there are some really great points made. For example, the gendering that we all do when it comes to babies and before the baby is even born, we've projected an image on whether Mm. it's a girl or a boy. She's a lovely writer. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that is a problem and that we should do less of that. I respect her for saying I don't want to, you know, overdo the gender thing and when they're 18 they can decide what they are. Um, But I think it's very, very idealistic and I think that most parents really hope that when they have a baby they're not going to push them into the feminine masculine ideals thing but then when you actually have the baby. I don't think most parents feel that. I think most parents are super excited to buy a truck or a football or a tutu or pink or blue. A lot of a lot of my friends who who know that it can be quite limiting Mm. to sort of go, you're going to be a boy's boy, you're going to be a girl's girl. I have a lot of friends who have been like, I bought my daughter a truck and all she wants is to play with the dolls. And they find themselves Mm. really sort of torn up about that. And they also shouldn't be because I think that we get to play with gender throughout our lives and it's not the end of the world if a little girl wants to wear pink. That doesn't mean you're a good parent or a bad parent. It really doesn't mean anything. And so I think she's sort of every first-time parent Who's like yeah. my kid's never going to touch an iPad? That's I was the like vibe that. I've got. I was I was woke about gender with my particularly with Matilda. I didn't want any pink blue. I used to dress her in navy all the time, and it was great. I'm not laughing because it wasn't like I believe what you said, Jesse. I think that you're going to go through phases in your life 
where you're going to be drawn towards different things. And Mia, you did a brilliant no filter once with Kyle Myers, who is oh. an out louder. Hello, Kyle. I love who, Kyle. Um, and she's moving back to Sydney she, with her child, Zuma, and her husband. And Kyle has raised Zuma who's, yeah. uh, as uh, gender creative and talks and writes about it amazingly. But I was definitely kind of determined not to fall into the girl boy traps. So when Matilda did start wanting to dress as Elsa from Frozen all the time, it did hurt my soul a little bit because I was like, but what about all that tasteful beige I bought you, babe? And she <laughs> I was, was like, so ah! stoked when I my know. daughter wanted to wear pink things. No, but, but now, but then my kids now, they don't necessarily fall, fall into those gender roles. You know, Bill, Billy hates sport and he's a boy. Matilda loves sport and she's a girl. And like there's, anyway, but that, we, we digress. But the, I think you're right there, Jesse, about the fact that M. Rada is every idealistic first-time parent and also every woman who's ever been pregnant and finds it absolutely fascinating <laughs> and needs to tell you absolutely everything about it all the mm. time, maybe in a three-minute video, maybe directed by Lena Dunham, I don't know. Can I just throw back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about Chrissy Teigen and the photos that she shared after losing her son Jack, who was born premature at just 20 weeks, she this week has written the most incredible essay on Medium and it's so interesting. I, I don't mean to compare them but um, I will. <laughs> in terms of what we have the power to do as as when you're in the public eye is to make other women feel seen and heard and understood or to make them feel alienated. And I'm not saying that you should – choose what you do and what you don't do based on that. Everyone has to make their own decisions. But the difference in how I felt when I watched that Emrata video versus how I felt when I read Chrissy Teigen's essay about her experience that was very raw and just, again, so beautifully written. And part of what I loved is that she said, I can't tell you how little I care that some of you didn't like the photos that I posted. I didn't post them for you. I posted them for the women who needed to see them. And that's what we'd spoken about. And and I just, yeah, Rebecca Sparrow, another out louder and dear friend of mine always says, hold up what you love instead of denigrating what you hate. And I wanted to just hold up Chrissy Teigen's essay as something that I think is just so beautiful and such a service to women. But maybe Emrata's video is a service to really, really hot women who love how they look when they're a little bit pregnant. Maybe it is. We're just not feeling seen, heard and understood. That's mm. all. Recommendations time. Mia, you've been watching something on stand. I've been watching a show that was recommended to me. I can't remember who by. I think Laura Brodnick on The Spill, which is our daily pop culture and gossip podcast. Celebrity news, I should call it, not gossip. Gossip's become a pejorative word. Yes, it's true. Anyway, it's called Brave New World. And if you like The Handmaid's Tale... You will love this. It's based on, I think, an, a novel. A very, Aldous, very yeah. famous novel. Famous novel. Yeah. Aldous, Adolf. H- Aldous Huxley? I just Aldous, called him Adolf. Called, I don't think that's his he's name. He's called Aldous Huxley. Yes. And it was an old sort of sci-fi novel about this dystopian future where the rules are there's no monogamy, no family and no privacy. Ooh. And think about that. So you are not allowed to have a monogamous relationship. Is there lots of sexy time? So much sexy time and everyone is just given these pills which I think is like MDMA to make them feel happy and up all the time and you have to have sex with lots of people. You're not allowed to just have sex with one person. You're not allowed to have any kind of family unit and you are not allowed to have any privacy so everything has to happen out in the open and it is 
so interesting that and I can't my alley. stop watching is it. Is it dark? Yeah. It sounds dark. Is it scary? It's full of beautiful people. You'd like it whole. It's um, <laughs> it's just in the – it's very similar in tone to The Handmaid's Tale. So it's one of those things where visually it is stunning to watch. It Anxiety is interesting to think of, think about, and it's kind of like a psychological thriller. Okay, I'm into that. Ooh, Brave New World on STEM. That's such an on esque recommendation. Yeah. That's why I'm really intrigued. If you like it, it must be good because you don't normally like those. Uh, look, the sex got me in. What can yeah. I say? Yeah. <laughs> Are the sex scenes <laughs> nice? They're interesting. They're, okay. They do remind me quite a lot of an M. M. Rada Lena Dunham <laughs> film, to be honest, except <laughs> there's more than one person in them. Oh, dear. Thank you for listening to this episode of On Mirror Out Loud. My name's Holly Wainwright. You can hear me on this glorious mess on Fridays with Mr. Andrew Daddo. My name's Jessie Stevens. You can hear me on True Crime Conversations. I'm Mia Friedman, and if you're sick of listening to me, God knows I am, Quizish is such a hoot of a show, of a podcast to listen to. There's a new episode out this week. What we do is that we take two people who are very close, have a strong connection. It might be Dado Brothers. It might be two stars of Home and Away, Ada Nicodemo and Irene, and we... We've just watched season two. We have. There's a brand new episode of Quizish out tomorrow, actually, and it's got Luke McGregor and Celia Piccola on it. They are like two of my favourite people in the whole world. They're from Rosehaven. They were on one of my favourite shows, Utopia. The thing that makes Quizish great is how competitive, whether or not they're competitive, and they get very competitive, so it's very fun. You can find Quizish in your podcast feed called Quizish. This episode is produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff, and we'll see you on Mamma Mia. Bye. 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 Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.